The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. 2021 is getting off to an exciting start. The pandemic continues unabated. The COVID-19 vaccine rollout is not rolling along. If 2020 pardons were not outrageous enough, President Trump announced today that he plans to give the Medal of Freedom to Devin Nunez. You know, that guy who brazen, whose brazen attempts to suborn the, the Mueller investigation forced Paul Ryan to suspend him as the chair of the House Intelligence Committee in 2017. He's getting the Medal of Freedom. Still more outrageous, the president was caught on tape this past Saturday, again, trying to suborn an election. The obvious intent to intimidate Georgia state officials to falsify election results after three well-publicized counts and recounts, well, you know what? It would be laughable if it stood by itself, if it stood alone, but it doesn't stand alone. It stands as a bookend to the unprecedented attempt by Republicans in both the House and the Senate to substitute the will of the minority in Congress, as well as in the electorate, for the valid and certified state-by-state results of the Electoral College. If the effort were successful, it would be the end of the constitutional experiment we call the United States of America. Now, I've got a lot to say about all of this. But I sit tonight paralyzed, unable to move my fingers frozen over the iPhone. Folks, I am in Twitter jail, and it appears to be a life sentence. It all started early on the morning of January 1st, about 12.45 a.m. to be exact, when after New Year's texted toasts were done, I thought I'd take one little quick look at Twitter before going to bed. Ex Plubus had sent a tweet about thinking that John Hancock would have tarred and feathered Donald Trump for his post-election behavior. Now, We all know that John Hancock has been dead for 227 years. So I kind of chuckled. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to reply. I'd pay for a ticket to see Trump tarred and hashtag Trump tarred and feathered. Instantly, I mean, snap the fingers. I am suspending for threatening bodily harm. This being my first offense, it was a 12 hour suspension. That's what it said in the note that appeared on my screen, but it now appears to be a permanent end to my Twitter career, okay? So first, let's take a look at the historic context. Tarring and feathering, you know, actual, try that again. 
tarring and feathering folks using pine tar, the kind of thing that was used to, you know, patch up ships, et cetera, in days of yore, was a form of corporal punishment that was used lawfully in feudal England and came to the Americas with English colonists. And so the English, the American colonists in the pre-revolutionary war skirmishes with offensive British officials and others who disapproved of the colonial's affection for smuggling goods into the colonies, well, they were subject to <clears throat> tarring and feathering. In a couple of instances, the mob got a bit rough and stripped the victim of their uh, of their collective wrath. They stripped him naked before they tarred and feathered him. They did that to a governor general um, who quickly took a ship back to England. Um, but my research today found none of them, no, no victim experienced permanent harm. And usually the tarring and feathering occurred to a fully clad victim, making the act largely symbolic, if pretty tacky and messy. There were also instances in the wild, wild west when a vagrant of some sort was tarred and feathered and rode out of town on a horse, begging the question, of course, had I responded I'd pay to see hashtag Trump rode out of town on a horse, would I have been suspended? Don't know. Truth be told, my brother and I tarred and feathered each other one day when we were quite young and came upon some uh, tar uh, near a chicken house on the property where we lived. My mom was not pleased with us. Oh, wow, was she not pleased with us. <laughs> and after she got us cleaned up, each of us was honored with an individual spanking on the bottom. Mom was known to mutter while spanking us for some transgression. They never do the same thing twice, but it's hard to anticipate what they'll do next. We were a couple of little scrappy vagrants, my brother and I. My dad, the noted psychologist, was no court of appeals for us either. He used to remind us that if anyone is getting psychological scars in this family, it wouldn't be him. I leave my little black bag at the door, he'd remind us. Thus, as I said, I didn't think a thing of the tweet when I sent it. A lot less than I do. I, in fact, I thought about it a lot less than I do about, about tweets that I see when someone is celebrating a birthday alone or has just lost a, a loved one too often to COVID and goes on Twitter to announce it within hours. You know, my heart breaks for people who feel that alone. That they look to, they feel so alone that they look to crazy anonymous Twitter world for sympathy and solidarity. It's the same when I read of the passing of a beloved pet. I hurt for them. But today, it was the political Twitter world, the world that causes me to go to Twitter, that I miss the most. There was Nicole Wallace emoting about Andrew Weissman's tweets about the legal implications of the Trump phone call to Georgia. 
Oh, would I love to read those tweets. And former Senator Claire McCaskill tweeting about the guy who beat her, Josh Hawley, in his potentially dangerous assault on the rule of law, the United States Constitution, and the American electorate coming on Wednesday of this week. Since when does the loser of a presidential election, the, the people who voted for the loser of the presidential election, since when are they disenfranchised? They were enfranchised. There just were more of the, of the people who supported Biden. You know, that doesn't disenfranchise them. Anyway, I would love to read those tweets. But alas, I can't read those tweets. I'd love to read the tweets that go back and forth when the Senate meets to count the electoral votes on Wednesday. But alas, I won't be reading those tweets either. There is a wild argument going on out there. It's an argument to which I can bring substance and calm and I can't access my Twitter account. I've tried everything. They have the correct phone number because I've authenticated that it's me twice now. I've updated my password twice now. Mind you, it asks whether I want to use text or email and the email address they offer has been deleted from the internet for over five years. And I use a different hosting service now. I updated my profile since when, when I made the changes five years ago. And my username password file shows the correct email address of the profile page. So after everything is authenticated and I get a check mark that says, oh, you're authenticated, you'd think I'd be free and clear and you'd be wrong. Because the next thing I get is a message that a verification code has been sent to the correct email address. But after more than 40 tries, I can't get a verification code. Now, their alternative offer is that I can upload all the contacts in my address book so that some, one of my contacts can verify me, can reach out to me. So excuse me, but why on God's good earth would I violate the privacy of every friend and or business associate and or vendor in my contacts as the price of getting out of Twitter jail? So then I tried the Twitter appeal process. I got a pop-up with the offending tweet saying you can solve the problem by deleting the tweet. Well, you know what? I would gladly delete the stupid tweet, but I can't get into the account in order to delete it. And of course, you know that none of this is being done by humans. This is how, folks, if you've seen the, the movie 2000, that was made probably around 1973-74. Think of this as an early step in the computers completely dominating your life, life as all of us know it. And with that scary prospect so clearly displayed to me, Jack Dorsey, you've made me a believer. You've made me a believer in the urgent necessity to change Section 230 and make you accountable. This whole tempest in a teapot has done significant harm to me, 
I've spent nine years building a carefully curated cast of followers, each hand selected, none of them SEO purchased. In my most commonly used emoji cache are little paw prints, rainbows and kitty and doggy emoji, um, emojis for the condolences I send to people I don't know, but I can empathize with. I like and retweet a lot more than I tweet, but I get enough likes and tweets. Oh, thank you, Rick Wilson, for following me to believe that there is still a center of American life that is reasonable, calm, and once in a while, even kind, whether it's pets or family or bad boyfriends or yes, politics. And now for a moment, perhaps poorly thought through, just a moment of levity, it's all for naught snapped shut and destroyed by an artificially intelligent bot in the middle of the night. Who gives you, Jack Dorsey, that power? The power to override the First Amendment when it's the little guy, but to allow the Proud Boys, the President of the United States, and every QAnon conspiracy theorist in the world to use your platform to spew what you know are lies covering your backside with an occasional message about facts not bearing out the president's statements. Well, trust me, in my years on Salem Radio, I got plenty worse things said to me than what I said in a harmless tweet. The First Amendment works both ways, Mr. Dorsey. You cannot profit handsomely from the intellectual property of your users and then tell your users that they have no right to the accumulated benefit of that speech. If Twitter is going to act as the arbiter, then Twitter is a content moderator, just as a newspaper editorial page is. It is subject to the same standards, that information is verifiable and verified, and it is subject to libel and slander laws and to fair use laws. So you see, Mr. Dorsey, you've succeeded in doing what the Lincoln Network, the Pres President Trump and the majority of Dem GOP senators have been urging. You've convinced me that we should abolish Rule 230, and in its place, we need a process where a situation like mine can either be avoided with a warning message that acknowledges Twitter's right to moderate content, because <laughs> then you're not a platform, and or a customer service function that can adjudicate cases fairly, accurately, and in a timely way. Google tells me the situation I am in is usually fatal to a Twitter account. In which case, I'm gonna say, I'll miss y'all. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. 
You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.